First thing we do, um, teach you two words, and then we'll go from there. You've learned something. Uh, what was the first message, by the way? Let's see, a little review. What was that? Yeah, and then we learned this morning that taking off the mask can sometimes be costly. So uh, taking off the mask, one. Taking off the mask can be costly, two. So tonight, before I ever uh, get into uh, what we're going to look at on the screen, you guys just say this one word. It is commission. commission. You guys get to say this word. Omission. Omission. This is. What is commission? Well, the Navy sometimes does this when they get officers and get them ready to put them out onto the field. They will say that is a commissioning service. So commission is means to act. It's to do something. So that's commission. What's your word? What's omission? What's omission? If I omit something from a report, what did I do? I left it out. So you guys, commission means you do something. Omission means you didn't do something. So they're in a way the opposite. Sort of sound the same kind of a word though, omission and commission. Well, we began uh, last night's lesson. Very first night we well, I'm going to just uh, eliminate this one, I think. I don't know if we've got a hot mic or we need to turn that off, but I don't want you all to get distracted tonight. So let me just tell you what we did the first night. Right there it is. Quit being Batman. Take your mask off. Life's much easier when you're honest. You just think, oh, I'm glad I do not have to do this anymore. My favorite television show of all time is Andy Griffith's show. I love that show. So I've watched that ever since. I've been, you know, it's, I'm an Andy Griffith fan. There's 249 episodes, 159 black and white. Well, anyway, you can tell I like it pretty good. So we've about memorized that. My son's not named Andy after Andy Griffith. He's named Andrew after the first soul winner of the Bible. But he is, uh, happens to have the same name. So my son Andy and I, we sit there and we go through those episodes. And my wife just goes, you know, how do you all remember all those lines? But I remember one particular episode, which I, I thought was sort of cool. Aunt B, this is a color episode, so most people don't know them. It's not as funny as uh, Ernest T. Bass and all that. And, you know, but this is a good episode. Aunt B puts on a wig because she gets tired of, you know, she doesn't know what to do with her hair. So she just puts on a wig and a visiting preacher comes in and she's like, I've got to constantly put it on. He comes over unexpected one day, so she has to race in there. And she says, go in there. So Andy goes out and has to bring a mirror off the wall. He hides her wig in his bowling bag, and he's just constantly doing all those things to come in there so she can put that on and come out and be presentable. At the last part of the episode, she finally just tells the visiting preacher that she wears what? A wig. And so then when Andy comes in after, he didn't know she said that, so he comes in and she says, oh, he knows. And he goes, oh, I'm so glad that's over. In other words, now we can be who? Ourselves. We got to, Now we don't have to put an act on anymore. We don't have to keep racing out the bowling bag and carrying the mirror from the front room wall in our hands. We can finally just be ourselves. It's sort of like, whoosh, mask goes off. Here it is. In her case, I guess the wig went off. But anyway, life's much easier when you're honest, both with yourself and especially with God. And then this morning, taking off your mask was first night. Second message, it may cost you to take off your mask, but then again, you've got to remember Moses let everybody else know, so it cost him something. Jesus let everybody else know. So how about you? Ready to take off your mask? So tonight, welcome to Super Heroes Week here at Camp Tapawingo. I get to be the speaker. My name is Edgar Moser. I've spoken to a few of you, and some of you say we've been coming back for year after year after year. How many people are first time to Tapawingo, by the way? Well, welcome. I feel like I'm the... I'm glad you're here tonight. You've never heard me before. If this is your first time, so I'm glad you're here. 
God might just uh, speak to you tonight and say, you know, you'll say later, I'm so glad I came to camp. Maybe tonight will be the night that uh, I just pray that God will help you to grow closer. By the end of the week, you'll be glad you came and you'll be closer than you were when you came. So, first thing, would you bow your head? Let me just pray as we go. Dear Jesus, tonight I ask you, Holy Spirit, to just roam the room and there's people here that need you. There's people here that need to take off the mask and just quit putting on an act and instead just be honest with you. So, Jesus, tonight may you come in and you speak to people's hearts. And once they take the mask off, it may be costly. They'll have to go back and tell friends and family they're not the person they used to be. But, Lord, in the long run, the rewards will far outweigh that little bit of inconvenience for us. Tonight, Jesus, now we're going to talk about something that goes right along with the superheroes. We talk about something that's very close to our heart. So, Jesus, tonight, you speak to us. May you be the messenger, not me. In Jesus' name, amen. You'll remember what I say sometimes, but you'll take back what the Holy Spirit speaks to you. So what in the world is tonight's message? You ready to unmask yourself? We're going to do it again tonight, only we do it with a different message. Here we go. Please look at the screen, and it says, here's tonight's message. It is? Oh, you don't know yet. Maybe I should give you a hint. Check that. That guy's the green lantern. And the green lantern says this right here. Green Lantern comes to his senses after he's been knocked out for a while, and he says, mm, a yellow lamp. I should have known my beam has no power over anything yellow. But where are those saboteurs? In other words, I've been laying here out of commission. Remember, commission? Your word was what? He's been out of commission. He wasn't operating. Matter of fact, his, he's now been what? Omission. Yeah, he's sort of been omitted from the action instead of committed to the action. He wakes up and is like, oh... My saboteurs or the people I was fighting against must have figured something out. You know what they figured out? It's this. His weakness. So tonight's message is admitting and avoiding your weakness. I don't know what your weakness is. Let me give you the person that everybody knows whose weakness this guy is. What is this? It is kryptonite. And Superman's weakness is kryptonite. By the way, what planet did Superman in the cartoon... What, he came to Krypton. This is a confusing thing, though, that some people don't know. He came from Krypton, and he come down to Earth, and now instead of a green ray or sun over him, what's his sun now? Yellow. It's yellow, and that's how he gets his power. So you mean everybody that came off of Krypton could come down to Earth and be Superman? Yes. Anybody from that planet to this planet, they suddenly get power from the... Ooh, that could preach right there. You get power from the sun. So to speak, you finally come in to, boom, the sun gives you the power. That's what we should do as believers. So Superman has power from the sun, much like us. But now, anytime he touches a piece of crypt, kryptonite or somebody shows it to him, oh, there's my weakness. Would you want to know? Now, you know why comic people have to do this. If they didn't have a weakness, then it would be sort of like a dull thing. You know, the superheroes would just rule the world or would never have a weakness. You've got to at least have a little bit of irony to the show or an antagonistic kind of guy to come in and do something different. So we got to have a weakness. Green Lantern, we show you a, a light, anything yellow. Superman, we show you kryptonite. So you get the idea? There's a weakness. So I don't know what your weakness is. Let me show you something else. Though. This is what I thought was cool about Superman. If Superman gets seen kryptonite, he gets weak. But look at this. I just thought I'd copy this. Look, Everyone knows that Superman's great weakness is kryptonite. Of course, Lois Lane might have been his weakness. I don't know. He seemed like he got distracted with her a lot of times. She's a more whiny, more annoying form of kryptonite. But anyway, check out this next part. Every Superman movie, comic, cartoon features it. It's the only way to stop Superman short of 
hiding him in a dark room under the earth and taken away. So kryptonite is his weakness. But you know what else? If he was in a dark room under the earth and taken away his access from the sun, he would soon lose his power. Tonight, if I can take away your access from the sun, then you can lose your power. That's true because Jesus says, Acts chapter 1. Anybody memorize Acts chapter 1? But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. What else? You'll be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea. That's what I'm doing tonight. I'm being a witness for Jesus and I've got power through the Son after the Holy Spirit comes upon me. If I didn't have the Holy Spirit, then I don't have much power. If I don't have the Son, yeah. So, you want to pick on these guys. You're going to say, all right, tonight's message in. Superheroes, we're going to talk about our weakness, right? How do you know? You don't know my weakness. You're exactly right. I don't. God knows. And see, God's my... You don't see him right here, but it was almost like I've got my arm around the Holy Spirit. And he says, Edgar, you speak loudly and audibly, but I'll speak to hearts. Whew. I have that ability. So, Holy Spirit, you don't see him, but he's here. How many people believe the Holy Spirit's in the room? Yeah, you better. The Holy Spirit's here. Why? Because I'm here, if nothing else. You brought the Holy Spirit? No, every believer brings the Holy Spirit. I'm not, I don't go to church necessarily. I am the church. So if LifePoint closed its doors tomorrow, we'd still have LifePoint Church because we'd just move to a different location. You don't have to write down my two big words for you, but a long time ago they had this word called ecclesia, which means the body or the church of... This is the church back in Acts. And they started this revolutionary way. They didn't go to the synagogue to work it. They didn't go to the temple. They had this what we call ecclesia. That's a body. That's a movement. So they started a church. They'd meet in people's homes. Next week they might meet over here. They were meeting every place. Of course, as time passed, you guessed it, they would start meeting in different places, but then they wanted to settle down. And actually one of the good things, but the bad things that happened to Christianity. Constantine became a Christian, and he was sort of like the head honcho, and, you know, the leader. The... So since he, it'd be like the president getting saved, the king getting saved, somebody that rules. Well, since he got saved, all his cohorts around him started going, oh, well, let's offer you a building to sort of stay. So the king, if he likes God, we'll suddenly make a big place. And in Latin, we could call it a basilica. Uh, so we've now got a place because these rich people didn't want to start keeping going to homes. They wanted to build a big building. So now they settle down, and the next thing you know, it was sad. It was almost like the church, it was nice to have big, high-ranking people becoming Christians. But you know what they did? They quit met, meeting in houses and all over the place. They started meeting in one place, and that one place became... German word, I think, was K-E-R-C. It was like the Kirch, which we've changed that word to church, and now the church is a building. Bad? Yeah. So now it's a church. If I compare that to animals, you know what an animal would be for our church life point? We would be a cheetah because we're constantly moving. We'll move in, we've met in a couple different places. We'll meet in homes. So we're like a cheetah on the move. We do not want to be... You ever seen those on, uh, whether it's YouTube or... or Whatever you looked at Facebook, somebody will post a picture. It's a cat. looks like he weighs 804 pounds. You know, he's just sitting over in a couch. It's like, is that a cat or a rhinoceros? You know, he's like, wow. You know, he just walks through the house. He's huge. Well, I think that's the way some churches are. They're just so big, they just sit there. There's no movement. I mean, if you opened up a door, you could, hello, is anybody here? Oh, yeah, there's people sitting, but it's just dead quiet. I want our church to be active. So when you come in the doors of life, you'll hear music going off. You'll hear people over here. You'll have us moving around. Somebody might be getting coffee. Movement means life. So I want us to have a good time tonight as we study weakness because we're alive. And by the end of the time that we meet tonight, you'll say, wow, it's so been good to be in church, but we are the church. Okay, I'm going to talk about your weakness. Holy Spirit's just going to roam around. He's going to go, 
you know what, and you'll be spoke to by me audibly, but by the Holy Spirit to your heart, to your heart. So here's what I want to remind you. Don't make fun of these guys right now. These superheroes, you might say, ah, Superman's got a weakness. Green Lantern's got a weakness. Well, let me show you. Weaknesses can cause us to do two things. Weakness can either cause us to do this. If I have a weakness, it can cause us to run away from something. Give me an example of that. What weakness might you have that would cause you to run away? Some of you might be scared of these little things. that Spiders, yeah. So if you walk into a room, I'm just having fun with you here, but it's spiritual sort of like the same application. If you are scared of something, that means it's a little bit of a weakness, then I'm going to run from it. Now, I might have a weakness that causes me to run towards something. So that's our second way we can do it. If I've got a weakness, you say, okay, you lost me. What? If I've got a weakness, I can run towards something. If I've got a weakness, I might run away from something. Let me explain. Check this picture out. If I give you this, that might be a weakness. If you have a weakness, if you're trying to be on a diet and lose weight, that's a weakness. So somebody shows you a 1,600-calorie Big Mac, and you go, wow, i got to have it. And suddenly that's a weakness of yours. What should you do? Run towards it, run away. You should run away if you're trying to lose weight. Or maybe this. So if you've got a weakness, you say, I'm going to try to lose weight, and I show you a chocolate cake with raspberries around it, you suddenly should run away. Now, watch this. If you want to run towards that, if I'm on a diet, I really should run away from it. See what I mean by weakness? I need to leave that be, so I need to go the other way. Or how about this one then? Here's a weakness. If you have that right there, I have a sister-in-law. Some of you can probably pick up a spider. Some of you go, please, that's my weakness. I'm just trying to, you're going to prove what my point is right here. I have got a sister-in-law. Her name is Joyce. And Joyce has a weakness. This is it. We were at their house one time. We're sitting in the living room. Everything's fine. And all at once in another room, ah! like that. And she screamed. And we went into the room. And here's what she did. She picked up something. After she screamed, and I, I did it, didn't do it justice on a scale of 10, and I was about a 2 out of the 10. She, hers was about 14. She screamed so loud, and we walked in there. I thought, what is it? You know, it was a granddaddy long legs. Okay. Granddaddy long legs, if you know, can't even bite you. Their mouths can open up too big. I wish some of y'all had that characteristic. Anyway. The granddaddy long legs mouse came him up, so it could not. So I could just sit there and let it crawl on my face. If I wanted to, Joyce, if I put that on her, literally, you think I'm? She would pass out. She would probably just oh, what? By the way, she's passing out from what? From fear. She is so scared that your body just sort of shuts down. So fear is you can either flight or fight. You can either fight that spider or flight. You're going to take off from that spider. She'll take off. It's a granddaddy long legs just like this. Now, I'm not going to make fun of those people because my fear may be something else. I had fear sort of grip me one time. I was just a little boy about like this. I laid down at night. Everything's fine. We're dozing off. I'm fine. I had four brothers. By the way, there was five of us in a room, two sets of bunk beds, and a big old bed. Was, that was my brother Gene. He got to sleep by himself. The rest of us piled in like army barracks. All five of us were in a room about the size of the stage. And some of y'all complain that you don't have a room. But anyway, we were in that room... I'm dozing off, and I woke up just in the night and like, there's somebody in the doorway. And I looked and I thought, God, that guy's huge. He looks like he's just like this in the doorway. So now fear starts to get it. And I think, oh, just cover your head. What was I doing? Was I fighting, flighting? Which one? 
I'm flight. I'm just going to ignore him. And I can't do it. And I peek out under the cover. Yep, there he is. He's still there. And so I, I get brave. And I sneak out. Could have waked my brothers up. No, can't do that. So I just slither out of there and I go, watch this. He's going to come right at me. And he's going to beat me up and throw me out the window and nobody will even know I'm gone. No, can't do it. I've got to get closer to him. So I got down crawling on. I can't believe him. I'm telling you this, though. I'm crawling on all fours. Get all the way over there. <laughs> you know, like that. I reach up with trembling hands and I touch my dad's army coat that was hanging in the doorway. That was the big guy that was going to beat me up. It was a, really an overcoat hanging in the doorway on a coat hanger. But in the middle of the night, that was a huge giant that was coming after me, and all it was was a coat. But now, if I had not went over there and touched the coat, I would have never went back to sleep like that, guys. He's, it's almost morning, and he's still here. Well, I got news for you. That coat ain't going to walk anywhere. So I thought, good thing I went over there and checked it out. How about if you're scared of this? Maybe that's not your weakness. Maybe this is. Okay. Notice I got two reactions. Some of you said, ah, and some of you said, awesome. <laughs> you awesome people can leave now. Uh, no, I just kidding. We had a LifePoint event the other night. It was called Motor Madness in Roanoke, Virginia. They just sort of let ever, all the cars run down Williamson Road. It's every style that you can imagine. Old jalopies or brand new cars. And they ran up and down the road. And we set up right in front of our new church building. Hopefully that'll be soon. And we... Gave hot dogs out. We gave uh, six cases of cold water out on a hot day, just letting them know we'd just be in the arm of Jesus. And this woman came by, and she sat there and talked. She was a little bit different looking. But anyway, she came by and sort of talked to one of the guys behind me. Jim was his name. Jim like, like this. And I thought, Jim, don't point at her just because she's ugly. We don't point at all the ugly people in order. We'd be going like this. Anyway, uh, and Jim's like, and I go, and I almost think of the same thing. Jim, what are you doing? And I looked, and I went, ooh. She had a snake about this big wrapped around her neck and around her arm going, how do you like him? I thought, i got two ways to handle it, chainsaw and shotgun. So, uh, <laughs> so if you want to take it off your arm, I'm gonna, you're going to lose both of them. But I thought, and then she looked over, and I guess it was her daughter or something standing beside her. She, too, had a snake all wrapped around like, it's their pet snake. I, went, <laughs> I didn't want any part of it. It didn't look quite like these, but it was scary looking. And I thought, y'all just sort of move on down the road. Thank you very much. That didn't scare them. Some people, that would terrify them. So if you're scared of snakes, scared of spiders, that's a weakness. Now, say, all right, make the point. If I'm on a diet, I don't want to go near chocolate cake. I run from chocolate cake. It takes a lot of discipline to do. By the way, is someone in here? Uh, where is the nurse tonight? Is she in here? Oh, she's gone. Y'all to compliment her. I think she's lost probably 50... 50 pounds in about a year because, you know what, she has the discipline to push away the chocolate cake where you and I might not. 50 pounds, she said, i got about 25 more to go. So I'm thinking, wow, 50 pounds? So in six to seven months, she's averaging almost 10 pounds a month. That's huge. So, I mean, if you lost 100 pounds of ugly fat, some of y'all would be, well, you'd be gone. You know, I just, <laughs> just kidding. The woman who said, I lost 100 pounds of ugly fat, she divorced him. No, I, all right. That's, um, if you lose a lot of weight, that's a compliment. You've pushed away from the food. If you can get over your fear. So I run from food, but how about this? What if i got a fear of spiders? Then I've got to go ahead and fight it and come over there and finally at least stay in the room with them. I can't let that control me the rest of my life. Okay, shh, got your attention again? Look right over here. I'll go to the next thing then. Superheroes then are what we're talking about. 
they got a weakness. I just now talked to you about your weaknesses. Let me give you a couple verses. When our weaknesses or fears control us, we need to overcome them. We and run right at them or else we will be weak all of our life. I mean, I'm not saying go over and pit the snake. Don't, don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying if that controls me, if I just say, okay, I'm not going to run. I'm just going to go over there. At least I can stay close and not let it bother me that much. That's what, you know, we're just going to be controlled. Here, let me give you another one. How about this right here? I'm going to give one good example. Listen, listen. I will talk about somebody in the room. No, I'm not going to talk about a camper. I get to pick someone who's very dear and near to my heart. Not that you campers aren't. But I'll mention my son Andy. Andy is uh, thinking about being a chaplain in the Navy. He's actually went down to Norfolk, Virginia. We've talked to some people in Norfolk, Virginia. And he had blood drawn from him. And then he went through this physical and everything was fine from that. And Andy is going to hopefully end up one day as a Navy chaplain. But here's what Andy hates, that right there. And he hates to give blood. He hates to get a sample of blood taken from him. He hates to have a little vial filled. There's three people in our family. Let me show you the difference. Let me put my wife Jenny over here, Andy over here, and me in the middle. I think we go in that order. My wife Jenny has given 30 gallons of blood in her life. She is an extreme great donor. She will walk in and sit down. She did this one time, which is amazing. She's did this several times. They have a machine over here. They'll put a tube onto this one. It'll drain the blood off, run through the machine. It's called phoresis, and it takes the platelets out. Some little premature babies, they call them preemies. Some little premature babies are born. Their blood will not clot very well. So if they put my wife's platelets in that baby, their blood will begin to clot, and they'll be more normal. She can take one pint of blood and save the four li- save lives of four preemies. So her phoresis is what this is called. The blood goes through. They put her own blood back in the other arm after the platelets are taken out. She can sit there and watch TV, watch a movie. She gets a little cold because when you're losing blood, you lose uh, temperature. They'll pull up a little blanket on her. She's fine. So Jenny's over here can give 30 gallons of blood. I'm in the middle. I don't like it. I'm going, yes, blood given. To, I don't do that. It's like blood donor, you know, birthday. It's on the same level. No, it's not. I hate to give. But if I've got to give it, I'll give it. So if they come over there and the woman says, you're going to feel a little prick. And I go, no, man, I didn't. That's good. And she drains off a little bit. Okay, we got it. I'm fine. Andy's over here. Andy, we're going to drain your blood. Okay. Andy, you're good. You want to get it right there? All right. I mean, he will pass out. He went down to Norfolk, back to the Navy story, and the Navy people come in and say, we're going to draw blood. And he's like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm good. I'm good. Go ahead and get it right now. Wait just a minute. You know, Harry, where you? And they just put him off for a minute. And the more he waits, the more nervous he's getting. And the blood looks like it's this. Since he's got to give it, it looks like it's drained. Your face almost becomes about like white. You know, it's like this. It's just getting more like that. And then when they finally come back, are you okay? No, but go ahead. And they drain it, and it's like, Then a few minutes later, now he's back to Andy. It took him about five minutes, but he's okay. But there for just a minute, I thought he was going to pass out. Has anybody ever given blood like that? You see what I mean? And it's like, if you don't like it, it sort of catches you by off guard or catches you by surprise, and you're just going like that. So Andy would pass out. My wife would go, another gallon? You know, she's just fine. And I'm in between. I don't like to give it, but I'm, I'll have, yeah. So I don't like that. You know what Andy needs to do? I'm going to keep that example going and show you this. What if they came in and said, Andy, we need to take a couple pints from you. And if we can't get that blood, you don't get to be a chaplain. His weakness would stop him from doing God's will. So Andy says, I've got to fight this. Go ahead and take the blood, and that will help me be a chaplain. 
You see, that's what we've got to do. So sometimes we just got to face that weakness, fight it. Here's the other kind of example, though. When our weakness makes us do something we shouldn't be doing. You could almost use that same picture. Some people don't draw blood off. You know what they're doing? Yeah, they're taking drugs. And they put something in there. They need to stop that. Or they could contract, you know, different things, whether it be AIDS or whatever, using a needle that's rusty, using a needle that's been infected by someone else. So it's like, Andy, you need to give blood to be in God's will. No, I'm not saying give blood to be in God's will. But if Andy really needs to give it to be working towards something, he needs to fight that. Go ahead, get over it. These people over here, y'all need to stop that before you die. So, you understand, sometimes we sin by what? What? Commission. Sometimes we sin by doing something. Sometimes we sin by we don't do something we should be doing. By the way, if you, that's you. I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but if you say, you've just described me, guess what? You're in good company. Apostle Paul said the exact same thing. He said, the things I want to do, I don't. The things I don't want to do, I do. He says, man, I'm just miserable some days. Oh, blessed wretch that I am, what am I going to do? I'm going to be set through you through Jesus. Jesus will start helping you to do the things you should be doing and quit doing the things that we shouldn't be. Check this last out. Some people might do this. You can name every vice in the world, but I won't do that. But down at the bottom, here's what I want you to do. You're going to begin to run then after my message tonight. You're going to be running towards the things that you should do and running away from the things you shouldn't be doing. So we're going to be on a track team. We're going to be running away from our weaknesses and running towards the things that should be our strengths. So some of you say, you know, I really know the Bible. I have memorized my two verses that Paul wanted us to. I have memorized some things. I really got some stuff down. So I am running towards the good things. Well, then good for you. I am not the person I used to be in high school. I am a lot better person. Why? Because I'm running towards God. You ever heard that song? I believe you have. You know, out of what? In the marvelous light, I'm... See, that's the whole idea right there. I'm running in the marvelous light and I'm running out of the darkness. I think we've made our point with the song. So here's what I want you to do. In James chapter 4, verse 17, you don't have to turn to it. I'm just going to use this to get your attention. James chapter 4, 17, what's the word over here? If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and they don't do it, it is sin for them. They don't do it. They what? They omission. They omit it from their life. You know what you should be doing. It'd be like Grandpa. Grandpa, you've got to start taking these heart pills. I don't want to take no pills. You're going to die if you don't. I'm a diabetic. Then you need to start taking your insulin. No, I don't. Your stubbornness is going to kill you. So heart pills or insulin or whatever. I've got high cholesterol, they say. It's a little bit. So I've got to take Lipitor. I've got to take, you know, you get the idea. I've got to take something. If I don't, it's not... I'm omitting something I should be doing. Of course, here's the other side of that. Exodus chapter 20, you've probably heard of a few rules there. There was ten of them. They're called the what? <laughs> Moses was leading these group of people. They were killing each other. They were stealing from each other. They, Moses come out and he bluntly just, first of all, you shall have no other gods before God. He's Jehovah. Don't have anybody else. And he just goes through that. Don't take his name in vain. He goes through a little list. Don't kill each other. Don't steal from each other. Don't commit adultery. Don't try to have someone else's wife. Don't covet things. He just goes through a little list. So I love this verse 20. It says this, God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to what? Keep you from sinning. So you guys who are what? Some people are committing sins. Moses comes in and says, y'all got to stop doing the sinning. You guys got to start doing what you should be doing. 
Well, that's Christian life stuff, isn't it? Nah, I've got help for you. Okay, mister, I guess he's out. He's ran so far, he's probably tired. Look at the back. I'm not going to tell you who this guy is. You can turn to Luke, Luke chapter 22. This man is going to, what's you guys' word? This guy's going to omit something that he should be doing. Anybody know who this guy is from the back? He's being asked something. No, it's... Keep going. Keep guessing. That's not Judah. What? It's Peter. And they walk up behind Peter and we'll read the story together. He omits something. Yeah, they ask him a question and he sort of... uh, Well, you can find the story. Let's go to Luke chapter 22. Peter should have stayed, but he ran. Here's his story. Here's the Scriptures if y'all want to look at the bottom. Luke chapter 22, they finally... He does this how many times, guys? does this three times. On the third time, he's sitting very close to the fire and all that, and they ask him a question. Here's the question. Look at Luke chapter 22, verse 54. Luke chapter 22, verse 54. Read this with me if you would. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Who is that, by the way? That's Jesus. They seized Jesus. They led him away and they took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. Why? Okay, he's already... Peter's already sinned a couple ways. What's your word? Commission. Commission. When they first arrived to arrest Jesus, Jesus wanted to go peacefully. Not so with Peter. Peter whips out a sword, looks at Malchus. Some scholars, I don't know if this is right or right, but it is a good thought. Malchus is standing right there. We're here to arrest Jesus. No, you won't. Pulls out his sword. Some people think he's aiming for the middle of the head, just going to split him half in two so he could have a half-brother. <laughs> no, just kidding. Malchus, I got a splitting headache. Okay, anyway. I'm gonna and he goes like this, and Peter's so erratic, you know, he's just a wild man. It's like, Peter, calm down. Wouldn't you love to have Peter in the classroom? Hey, how are we doing? Hey, Kylie, calm down, calm down, Peter. Man, just easy. Peter whips out the sword, aims for the middle of the head, he's a little bit crooked, whacks off the ear instead. And the guy goes, Oh, did I hurt you? What? Jesus says, put the sword up, Peter. Wow, here, 14 riddling. Eat them. You know, calm down. Reaches down, takes the man's ear. We're here to arrest Peter. No, we're here to arrest Jesus. And yet Peter's doing the fighting. We're here to arrest Jesus because he claims to be God and able to do miracles and stuff. (laughs) Puts his ear back on. Okay, now we're here to arrest Jesus because he... Wait a minute. He just did a miracle in front of me. And you go ahead and arrest him anyway. That guy must not be too bright. But anyway, so Peter, Peter commits sin by being out of control. A few hours later, now he's going to admit what he should be doing. So over here he's ready to die. Now he follows Jesus at a distance. So you're wide open, first one out of the disciples. It's like racehorses. Peter's the first one out of the stall. Let me whack, let me fight on my way. By the way, they're surrounded probably by hundreds, maybe thousands of people. At least, I would think, a little group of soldiers, Peter's going to fight off 50 people with a dagger, basically. Good luck with that. I'll get these 50. You know, what are you, Green Beret? So Peter's ready to fight his way out, commit sin, and he does. Jesus calms him down. Here's where he omits something. Luke chapter 22. Seizing him, Jesus, they led him away, took him to the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. But when they had kindled a fire, and there it is, when they had kindled a fire, somebody comes over and puts a finger in his face in the middle of the courtyard, and they sat down together, and Peter sat down with them. By the way, if they've kindled a fire, this is the enemy. 
Peter's now right in the middle of the enemy. That's not a good place for us to be. It'd be like, I'm an alcoholic. Every time I just see a beer, I've got to drink it. I'm sorry, I commit sin. I need to get away from it. Well, if you come down the road and I'm sitting over with my foot against an alcohol, you know, ABC, that's an alcoholic beverage control store. If I'm sitting right like this or I'm sitting there at Buffalo Wild Wings just with all the friends that are drinking, will I drink? Yeah, if that's my weakness, I need to be running. I'm right there in the middle of it. Peter's right here in the middle of people who hate Jesus. Not a good place to be. Well, he's going to win them to the Lord. No, he's not. He's going to be so pressured. We call that peer pressure. for He's going to be so pressured, he's going to fold right in with them. You know what these people around... I don't know if you've ever noticed this. I've just figured it out today, and I'm supposed to be a smart guy, but I don't know. I've just figured this out first time. You're, you're fresh off the press. Who is Peter in the room with, so to speak, or around the fire with? Unbelievers. Who does he sound like by what he says? He now sounds like a what? Did you ever notice that before? Peter now sounds like an unbeliever. They say, they don't have a verse saying this, but it's basically the people around the, the fire going, we don't believe in God. We don't think this is God's Son. We don't think He's got anything to do with anything. What do you think, Peter? Yeah, He's not God's Son. You've now become an unbeliever. You should be standing up instead you're omitting what you should be saying. He has now become an unbeliever. Now, if you've got a lot of friends who are lost, I want you to try to win them to Jesus, but on the same hand, let's keep this balanced. If you hang out with them all the time, you'll be more like them. Well, I'm just trying to reach them. Okay, as long as you know what you're doing, I appreciate that. But if you hang around, you're going to be like the people you hang around. Okay, you're going to have a tough time not becoming just like them. Well, I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to stay strong. Okay, convince me of that. I'm all for witnessing it. I understand that perfectly. But I'm just saying be careful who you hang around. Peter's now in the middle of the enemy camp. So they asked him. When they kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, they all sat down together. Peter sat down with them. A servant girl seated right there in the firelight, she looked closely at him and said, Hey, this man was with him. And she says that in front of everybody else. You know what Peter could have stood? And instead of what? Omitting. He could have stood up and said, You're right, I was with him, and I love him, and I'll die for him right here. He didn't do that. You know what he says? I don't know him. Hey, get out of my face that finger over here. I don't know God. I don't know Jesus. It's not God's son. Okay, so Peter says. He denied it. Woman, I don't know him. A little later, someone else saw him. You are. You also are one of them. Man, I'm not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he's speaking, the rooster crowed. And I don't know, it sounds like, it. look at the next verse, it says, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. So Jesus was in distance of him to maybe turn and look. Boy, you talk about a cold look right there. Or was it a cold look? No, I think it was a look with compassion. I don't know him, is what he said. And he turns, and there's Jesus looking right at him. And it's like, and with that one look, he almost says, I had such high hopes for you. I still love you. It's okay. With that one look, the Lord turned, looked straight at Peter, and then Peter remembered what the word of the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you'll disown me three times. And he went outside, and now he feels very bad, and he weeps. He wept bitterly. It would be like sobbing, like I've let him down because I did not stand when I should have. First point for Simon Peter right here, he denied the Lord. He should have stayed, but he didn't. 
Can I compare him to someone who should have ran, but he stayed? This is Samson. Yeah, Samson's got the opposite problem. Look in Judges chapter 16. So I don't know, maybe we're like Peter. Maybe we should have stood up and said something at school on one day. Maybe we should have stood up and said, here's what I think. But we didn't. And then maybe at other times, we should have taken off and got up and left. And Okay, Judges chapter 16, it's in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. So Judges chapter 16. I'm not, um, I'm not able to give you an example on every little thing, but I guess as old as I am, I've had quite a few things happen to me, and I have had stuff that I should have said. Let me show you two extremes. I can remember, I can recall being in high school before on our pregame meal for football. I remember a varsity football coach would stand up and he would look around the room and he would say, and he'd call out a name. On this particular Friday, he looked around and he said, uh, Moser, say a prayer for us. My first thought would be like, I wish I could. It's been so long since I've talked to God. I would be what some people call backslidden at that point. I wasn't praying to God. I didn't even. I was. I knew I was wrong, but I just could not stop and turn and say, "God, it's time to come home." I was sort of. Was I running toward him or away from him? I was running away. I was like Joan. I was taken off, and God got my attention just by that simple word that my coach had said, "Pray for us." And I bowed my head, and I didn't say aloud what I was thinking. But I just somehow got through a prayer and asked God to bless the food. What I was really saying, or wish I could have said, is just, God, it's been so long since I've talked to you. I've had the sins of omission in my life. I don't pray. I don't read. I don't go to church. And yet I call myself a Christian, and I'm so sorry that I've let you down. That's what I could have prayed. I was omitting things. Because what will my friends think? I was more concerned with what my friends would think before what Jesus would say. So I was thinking about my friends, or what will my family... What will Sorry, I was sinning omission. But then I got out of school. A few years later, the Lord got a hold of me because I came to a camp. Wouldn't that be great? I came to a camp just like you, sitting down. It was a retreat. And I sat and listened, and God spoke to my heart. I said, it's time to come home. I asked Jesus to forgive me. He cleansed me. I knew I was saved without the shadow of a doubt. Beyond the shadow of a doubt, I knew I was saved. But then I said, Lord, but I'm not living for it. That day I decided to live for Him. I said, Jesus... Thank you for welcoming me home. It's sort of like the story of the prodigal son. I was back home. He just started, whew, my life became so blessed. And now I'm sitting in a college class down Emory and Henry College. And there's about 25 of us in a class. And the teacher stood up and said, let's discuss something. This was back in the 80s. It wasn't like today where it was so acceptable. But they stood up and said, uh, what do you guys, we're in a health class. And the guy said, uh, our teacher said, what do you all think about uh, homosexuality? And I'm thinking, I'm sitting in a group of about 25 or 30 people. He says, well, let's just see. And he started over there and says, what do you all think? Well, I don't know if that's what they want to do. Next. I guess it's sin. I wouldn't say anything. I don't want to judge them. By the way, are we judging sin? No, we're just telling what, does the Bible say it's right or wrong? What do you think? It's wrong. Oh, you hate gays. Don't you dare say that. It didn't say I hated anybody. I just say I stand for, I love Jesus. But it's not an alternate lifestyle. God says it's wrong. If I hurt your feelings by saying that, I've just got to tell you the truth. It's sort of like if I'm a doctor and I come in and you're about ready to die and I can say, I'm about ready to tell you that you are going to die in the next half an hour, but I know that will hurt your feelings. So instead, I'm, hey, have a great day. Give me five and you'll be dead in a few minutes. You know, or does she want me to say, we've got to do some emergency surgery right here. You're going to die. You want to hear the truth? 
And, and the world doesn't want to do that. Let me tell you what God's Word says. No. I, I wish I could just take a question. So if you did not know the truth, would you want to know it? You know what somebody's actually answered that before and said, No, I don't want to know the truth because that will take away my hope. No. Jesus says if you know the truth, it will give you hope. So guess what? We went around the room and it finally came to Edgar on the other side. Everybody has said, Yep, let them be. I don't care. It's their life. Edgar, what do you think? Okay, do you want to be like Peter and not say anything? I said, well, you know, I don't want to condemn them by all means, and I would want to talk to them. But if a student came to me and I was a guidance counselor and they said, hey, here's what I would like to do, I'd like to point out that if they believe in the Bible, I'd tell them that the Bible says it, it's wrong, and I would really call it a sin, and we'd need to, we'd need to talk and ask God's forgiveness. God still loves them the same as He does anybody else, of course. It's, and it's no different sin than you'd be drinking. If some teenager was about to drink himself to death, would you tell him? Sure. Well, this person is just as... It's sin, sin. That's where we make a mistake. We make it a big sin. No, it's sin. So just tell them it's wrong. You could have heard a pin drop in that room. Because I was the first person that disagreed with the old. And now one or two other people, well, yeah, I don't really think that's... A, when I got out in the hall, two or three students come up and said, I wish I'd have said what you did because that's really how I am. Well, then why didn't you? Because I'm so like Peter. I don't want to, you know, rock the boat. It's up to you. It's whatever you want to do. Samson, chapter 16. Samson is about to have a sin of what? Omission or commission? Commission. He's going to do something he shouldn't do. Samson had a weakness. Superman's got kryptonite. You know what Samson's weakness was? There she is. Women, exactly right. The Bible says he'd walk down and try to find a prostitute in the area. Not exactly something Christians need to do. Samson moves into town. I'm just having fun. The Bible doesn't exactly. If we move into a town, first thing, Samson, hmm, wonder how what the women is. Samson's brand new in high school. That's a good look. Woo, look at her. She is. Oh, you are hot. Yeah. You know, that's Samson. So if I come out, hey, Samson, how's it going? Excuse me just a minute. Hey, Mama, woo. Man, she's smoking. Samson, calm yourself down. He's got a weakness. Beautiful women. Samson's weakness just got the best of him. You know what? It killed him. Now he's suddenly not a cool guy. You liked him there for a moment. It's killed him. Suddenly he's not a very bright guy. No. His weakness took his life in essence. So Samson starts to date this girl whose name is Delilah. And Delilah says to him, let's check the story out, Judges chapter 16. Peter should have stood up, but he didn't. He should have stayed, but he ran. Samson should have ran, but he stayed. And here it is. He's staying right in the arms of Delilah. Judges chapter 16, verse 4. Sometime later, he fell in love. Wouldn't you know it? He fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her. Wait a minute. The rulers of the Philistines. Philistines are the enemies of Samson. Now, is this woman an enemy of Samson then? And yes, he's sleeping with her. We could make a movie and call it Sleeping with the enemy. By the way, sex is one of the closest things in marriage that would be it's just so, God has gifted us with that. In other words, that is an extreme thing. You share more than a physical union with somebody. You share, some people say you just almost share your inner it's almost like sharing my soul. You can't. I know God's got her soul, but it's like I'm sharing something. My emotions, everything goes right there. Sharing something that you can't just and yet Samson hates this person in a way. You say, well, he was in love with her. Yeah, but if he knows that she's the enemy, it's sort of like a love-hate relationship, I guess. So he's sharing his 
closeness with people as his enemy. That's sort of weird, isn't it? How could you be so intimate with the enemy? That doesn't make sense to me either. Are you truly in love with her? Well, he says he is, but is he in love? I don't think he's in lust with her myself. But anyway, he fell in love with a woman in the Valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. Let's see if she loves him the same. You can find out this is a mismatch. The rulers of the Philistines went in and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how he can be overpowered. They just now paid this woman off to say, find out his what? And she says, how much money you got in here? That's true love if there ever was one. We'll pay you this much money. Thanks. I'll try to find out his weakness soon. She comes back. Samson comes in. Yeah, bench present. You know, you know all, all brawn, no brains. So he sits down in this. Delilah's got that red dress on, perfume that just knocks him out. And Samson walks in and goes, wow. When you wear that red dress, I smell that perfume. I just go crazy. So he's wild. Wild with love. So Delilah says, oh, sit down here. Let me just stroke your hair. Okay. Let's just pretend this is okay. And so she just sort of lets him go to sleep. And then he's about half in a day. Samson, you such a big, strong guy. What's, your, what's the thing that just gives you that strength? Samson, if he was smart, could have just not interpreted that question. What would do what? What would take your strength away? If somebody asked me my weakness, if you're dating someone or you're friends with someone that asks you that, I would run as far as I could. What's your weakness? Why do you want to know? Can you imagine we're football coaches sitting there, all of us got red on like a Giles Spartans, and we've got a guy that comes down, he's wearing black and gold, and thinking, okay, you're either from the Radford Bobcats or from the Floyd County Buffaloes, but what do you want? I was just wondering, what's y'all's game plan against us next week? Oh, here. Well, here, let me just show you. Here's the plays we're going to start off with. You can stop us now if you do this right here. Okay, just thought I'd help you out. We wouldn't do that. Get away from this camp. I like my old high school, and I walked up there one day in two days, and the Coach Ragsdale didn't recognize me yet. I walked up from the side. He sent a manager over and says, Coach Ragsdale wants to know who you are and why you're here. Well, I'm, oh, okay, yeah, we're good. It's okay. You know what? He had a manager over there. We've had trees planted around our practice field at Giles. You can't see what we're doing. And if somebody came in, that would be the enemy, and Steve's going to go over there and see who it is. I don't want the enemy coming in to figure out our secrets. Samson, don't let the enemy figure out your secrets. It's too late. Samson, tell me how. Let's ask. Sometime later, he fell in love. The girl says, after the Philistines paid her off, see if you can lure him, show him the secret of your great strength, how we can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. Money was greater than love. If it was 10 of them, she just now earned, oh, what, at least back in those days, thousands of $10,000. They just said, you know what? It's a deal. Wow. Delilah said to Samson, next time she's sitting there on the date night with him being close, Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Well, that's an odd question to ask me. But since you ask, Samson answered her, Well, if anyone ties me with seven fresh, you know, we're talking about leather thongs there that, that have been dried, I'll become weak as any other man. She's flirting with him and he's flirting back. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought seven fresh thongs of leather that had not been dried. She tied him up. 
And with the men, would you read verse 9 for me aloud? With men what? Hidden in the what? They're in the room. With the men hiding in the room, Samson's over here. They tie him up. I can say the men are behind the couch. They're just waiting when they say now. They're going to come out and they're going to grab him. So, let me... Samson, can we just tie you up here just for... Well, honey, this is sort of an odd date night, but I, yeah, I guess. Can I chain you to the car and drive down the road? <laughs> sure, I guess. Can you just stay like this and wide open and we just let the bull, billy goat come at full speed and just knock you down? Okay. You know, what? something ought to trigger his mind to know that you're trying to hurt me. Sort of like a phrase like, if you love me, you'll do this. Not that a guy would ever say that to a girl. I'm just making that up off the top of my head. Honey, if you love me, you'll really... Wait a minute. I don't like you talking like that. And I can just... I'll tell you what. Let me just get the cell phone out. I'm, Dad, this boy just now told me... What? There's Dad. You said what to my daughter? <laughs> Okie's funeral home. We need to... Uh, you think your dad would change his mind? I think so. It's a lie. Would you tell me what your weakness is? Tie me up. They tie him up. She says, Samson, the Philistines are on you. He jumps up, breaks them off. You were lying. That didn't take your strength. No, it didn't. But watch. He's now flirting with disaster. And he keeps in that same realm like we might flirt. Here's the next thing. She said... Delilah said to Samson, tell me your secret of your great strength, how you can be subdued. Well, you guessed it. Samson answered, if anyone ties me up, they tied him up. That didn't work. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped those leather thongs as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. You know how that, if you took a flame, put it next, put a, put a piece of string close to a flame, it would just break apart. Delilah said to Samson, verse 10, you've made a fool out of me. That didn't take a lot, but anyway. You've made a fool out of me. You lied to me. You don't love me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied up. And he said, well, if anyone secretly, securely with new ropes that have never been you, he just keeps this. Verse 12, so Delilah took new ropes, tied them up. Then with the men hidden in the room again. You think Samson knows the men are in the room? I don't know. I'll leave that up to you. Samson, the Philistines are upon you, but he snapped the ropes as before. Delilah then said to Samson, and tell him now you've been making a fool out of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. Now he's getting very close to the truth. By the way, that's dangerous of all of us. Anytime someone finally gets really close to the truth, he says, well, if you'll weave seven, if you'll braid my hair, then that'll take my strength. What is his secret, by the way? Y'all know his weakness. What is his weakness? Okay, she doesn't know that, but look how close he is to the truth. If you'll braid my hair, he's now on the subject of his weakness. He's went from... Oh, old rug, uh, new robes, uh, braid my hair. Wow, that's, that's close. If I could have been in the room as a consultant and say, Samson, be really careful. You are this close to falling. Don't you do that. Uh, I've got it, Edgar. I know what I'm doing. She's not going to... I'm Samson. Yeah. Okay, we got that. Braid my hair. Philistines are in the room. She says, they're upon you. He jumps up, shakes his hair, boom, comes out free. Can you imagine the Philistines, by the way, just for a moment? They're sitting there like this. Samson, the Philistines are going to be on you. They didn't jump. They probably went like this. <laughs> jump right back behind the couch. They've been doing D-bands now for about four times because every time they get up to get him, he's free. 
this last time they're hiding behind the couch, they probably look at each other like, I sure hope this Delilah knows what she's doing. Samson, oh, up until now, you, you just, you've been toying with me. Why don't you tell me what it is? Look at verse 16 with such nagging. She prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. Girls, if guys ever ask a lot, then I'd stay away from them. I would run. Finally, so he told her everything. If you will cut my hair, I'll lose my strength. Oh, okay. So she went and told the Philistines, you be here tonight at my house. I'll get him a little bit, drink a little wine, put on a little soft music, and I'll get him, and we'll cut his hair off and see if he's telling us the truth. Sure enough, he, he does that. She has a barber come in. She didn't really do it herself. The barber cuts off all the hair. Samson's just wooed to sleep. She says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you, and I'm going to find you out of a... There's uh, 66 books in the Bible. I don't know, and I know when we talk about the cross, it breaks my heart, but I'm going to show you one of the saddest verses found in the Bible. Saddest verse, it has to be in my top ten. Verse 19. Having put him to sleep on her lap, Big old strong man got his head in her lap. She just called, you go to sleep now. I'm going to get you to kill me just a minute. I'll go to sleep. What a two-faced bag. Wouldn't you just want to smack Delilah? Can you imagine that? How about a dad or a mom rocking him? Go to sleep. If you don't go to sleep, I'm going to throw him against the wall here, man. Go to sleep. How could you be so opposite? Samson, you go to sleep. I got him. We'll kill him. Oh, I was just talking to him. Some Philistine soldiers behind the couch waiting for you to go to sleep so they can kill you. But it's okay. <laughs> Samson drifts back off to sleep. They cut his hair. And she says, mm, here it is. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Verse 20. But look at verse 19. Having put him to sleep, she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. Verse 20. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. This last part's the saddest. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. How sad. So if you get up and say, I'm okay. You don't even know that God's gone. So he gets up. I'm going to fight him. And I can imagine the first time he's never done this before. Never done this before. And the first soldier that comes at him, he usually just grabs him by the belt buckle, grabs him by the face, or maybe just puts his hands in their mouth and goes <laughs> right against the wall. Anybody else want to? I mean, he has killed. Let me take a line, bear. You know, let me just throw everything. You know, like this. And the first soldier that comes at him, he goes, yeah, like this. He's, I can just, he can picture his locks of hair flowing, but they're what? There is no hair. Matter of fact, if you lose your arm, they tell you this, it's called a, what kind of limb? That's a, it's called a phantom. Yeah, but it's like, if I lost my arm, it'd be like, hey, let me throw my arm out for you to shake. And I, I feel like it's out there, but it's not. Samson, yeah, yeah. There's no hair on his head. But in his mind, he's picturing flowing black locks. Yeah, and he grabs that first soldier. And all at once, boom, if you could have just zoomed in on his face, God's gone. Something's wrong big time. I can't. Oh, wait a minute. And now he thinks of running, what he should have done about a week ago. Instead, he's sitting there trying to fight, and they just subdue him and get him down on the ground, and it's all over. You know what they do? They poke his eyes out, put him in a big mill. Instead of a mule out there grinding wheat, they let Samson. And he goes around in a circle just grinding wheat, 
does the work of an old animal. But that's not enough for him. Then they bring him out one day to make sport of him. They're going to make fun of him. So they bring him out at this big, illustrious party, and it's like he's the entertainment. They couldn't find a big monkey to come out near it, you know, so they're going to let Samson. How, how insulting. But these Philistines have now missed something. They had noticed that his hair was starting to grow back a little bit. So Samson comes out, eyes out, chains, bring it along, and he says to the little boy, can you put my hands, just let me feel the temple, the pillars right here. Not the temple pillars, but the pillars that surrounded that little place where they're all, you know, they gathered together. And while these guys are out there drinking and having a great old time, Samson begins to, you know, this story, he puts his hands upon this, and he says, God, let me avenge my... This would be like me in high school. Lord, it's time to come home. He's going to come home more in ways than one. He's going to come home spiritually, back to where he should be, and he's going to come home... So he pushes in these pillars with one last burst of strength. It begins to crack and the whole place falls in it. It says he killed more Philistines that day than he ever had in his life. God gave him victory, but it cost him his life to do that. Is Samson a good guy or bad guy? What do you think? Well, he's a good guy. He just didn't know when to, uh, didn't know when to run. Check out this last thing here. I like this one. What are you doing that you need to stop doing? Maybe you're like Peter and just denying Jesus at school or home or whatever. Maybe you're just sort of like, I should take a stand, but I don't. That's a sin of omission. Or maybe you're doing this. What are you doing, not doing that you should start doing? You say, okay, so I'm doing things I shouldn't. I need to stop them. I'm not doing the things I should, and I need to start doing them. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's all of us, by the way. Last thing right here. If you've given in to temptation in the past, it's time to stop and ask forgiveness. So picture this sign in your mind. I do that in driver's ed a lot. I put up a stop sign. Some people choose to stop and some people ignore it. If they ignore it, I fail them. They can't pass the test. I had a girl do that one day. She failed her test and I got back to her house. Her dad was waiting on the front porch with a camera to take her picture for passing her driver's test. She had failed it. I got out walked it. She was crying. She ran right past the dad like, did she fail? Well, no, she's just extremely happy that she passed. That's why she's, no. I said, yeah, she failed. Oh. We were, and then he looks at me and I said, well, would you want me to pass her? No, you're right. If she doesn't know enough to what? How about you? Same thing. If you don't know enough to stop, something's wrong. It's time to stop. Or how about this one? Now you're going to, so some of you do sins of commission. You do things you know you shouldn't be doing. You say, well, I know, but nobody knows. God knows. And here's another sin. The sin of what? Omission. Don't just sit there when you know you need to come up and pray. So I'm going to give you time to just, we're going to close here. And so is it a sin of omission? This little girl, I just thought I'd put that picture up. We're praying. Would you bow your head and close your eyes?